Does anybody need to refuel before we start? I want a close up nope. right here to start. Good. Right here. Solid. Get get a, get a nice yeah, get a nice thing of smoke going. Gentlemen, the legend and the icon, frankly, I get you confused. Not because you look alike, but you're both so legendary and iconic, frankly, the label could go to either one of you. Mr. Gary Ellix, Mr. Drew Cameron, how are you, gentlemen? Doing well, my friend. Doing great. Here we are again uh, in uh, our little town of Colorado Springs at kind of a little special venue, first time we've done here. Uh, Old West Cigars in Colorado Springs, and the owner was kind enough to let us come in after hours and set up shop because it's one place we can smoke inside. You guys are in town for LEED 2021. Yeah. Uh, talk about real quick what you guys have been teaching this week at the LEED 2021 event. Well, we did our little session on uh, sales accountability, which was uh, you know me asking you guys questions, kind of flipping the script uh, yep. and, and putting you on the hot seat. So we had the guru uh, <laughs> of sales and mindset answering questions, which was, was fantastic, along with the uh, you know the icon or legend or you're the icon, you're the iconic legend. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what kind of what we I, I think you know what we did this week and what I did, and then I know uh, each of you guys had uh, some extended roles in some other venues this week, right? Yeah, we did some manufacturer events that were attached to LEED 2021. I did one on uh, kind of mindset this morning. I know G-Man did one. Uh, what was your topic about? Three topics, uh, business planning and financial management, KPIs. Uh, second topic was uh, marketing plan and setting up lead generation. And then the last one was uh, just sales process with digital platforms, you know, how COVID has affected the idea of not necessarily being in the home 100% of the time and using Zoom technology, Google Meets, things like that. I got to tell you, I put uh, Alex to work this week while he was here. Oh, okay. I got him hooked up with my bookkeeper and working on some budgeting and working on some departmentalization and working on some different things. He's been helpful. And, you know, when I was in the contracting business before I got in the speaking side, I could never actually afford Gary Alex. And uh, so when I had him here in my house, I, I cornered him and made him do some, some work while he was here. So I appreciate the help. You know, well, when you think about you pay the work that you do. Whiskey and cigars or do you Whiskey pay and cigars. Well, actually, he bought this. I think he bought the whiskey and the cigars. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. I, <laughs> this is all around a good deal for me. I haven't said the you invoice yet. So far, this is a good deal wait, for me. How's this work? I'm getting free consulting. I'm getting free Pappy Van Winkle. I'm getting free cigars. You should come to town more often, my friend. Free, free. You want to move free. to Colorado Springs? Uh, yeah, apparently I need I to I can make here. a living off of that. I've been here enough. <laughs> so when you think about the work that you guys do, uh, that we all do, and you think about uh, the importance of it, and you think about there's so many different topics. You know, uh, really, Gary, you're an expert probably on all of it. Uh, I kind of always looked at your strengths as the operational accounting measurement, KPI thing. Not that you don't know the sales and marketing world, too, because you do a great job of that in your own company and your clients. Obviously, owning iMarket, you know, a little bit of a digital marketing expertise there. Um, but there's a lot of it that you do. It's all really important. I know you do the same thing and going into the consulting analysis. I don't do a ton of consulting from a business operations perspective. My stuff is mostly the mindset and the sales training. It's my wheelhouse. It's where I enjoy going to work every day. Uh, but today, tonight, I wanted to talk about something we kind of touched on at LEAD 2020, and that's kind of the accountability part of the sales process. You know, uh, what gets measured gets done, right? So how do we how do we measure what's going on in the sales process? How do we know if we're doing a good job or not? I remember a guy one time years ago, I was down in Florida, and this was back when a million dollars a year was a lot, 
right? These days, you probably expect two, two and a half million out of a comfort advisor. But back in those days, a million dollars was kind of the brass ring. And he's like, man, I've been doing a million dollars a year as, as long as I can remember. I'm like, really? I said, how many leads do you run? He goes, oh, I don't know. I just go down the interstate throwing them out the window, right? <laughs> so there was no accountability. I mean, the number, the million dollars looked good. But was it really good? We'll never know. He'll never know. And so I wanted to have that conversation and get the perspective from the both of you guys. What does accountability mean in the sales process? And how do you measure and then how do you kind of enforce that accountability, right? How do you measure the results against the KPI? And if there's a problem, kind of, you know, where do you start with that? So, G-Man, we'll start with you if you don't mind. Just talk about accountability in the sales process in general. Yeah, I'll, I think what, what gets measured gets done. So the purpose of accountability is to establish some standards. Each company might have a different viewpoint about what they want. So that, that company might be happy and successful with the, that comfort advisor selling a million dollars. We probably wouldn't be happy with that. Two and a half million would probably be kind of the standard today based on the equipment that we're selling. I mean, we used to sell six seer and then eight seer and then 10 seer and then 12 seer. And you know, now, I mean, basically we, we've got all kinds of different technologies plus IEQ and accessories. So to me, the accountability process is set standards. That's gonna be average tickets, gonna be closure rates, gonna be gross profit dollars per day. It's gonna be how many leads that you run. And I think most importantly in that whole conversation is client satisfaction. Your client experience and how well you're doing with your clients and the number of referrals you get, the reviews, I think is a better measure of the quality of the sales process. Yeah, we want all the numbers and we want success patterns, but it's also possible to be successful and be aggressive at sales practices. Um, there's folks in Colorado Springs right now, we, we had this conversation the other day, you know, social media is a buzz on neighborhood next door with very negative comments about contractors being super aggressive yeah. and doing things that are over the top. Sketch. And so those kinds of things create numerical success, but the clients are not uh, happy about that. And that's producing negative impacts in terms of the brand. So I think it's a combination of all those things, uh, client experience and then having some standards. So, and what those standards are, I mean, Drew, Drew probably can give you the metrics better than I can, but at, in, at the end of the day, we need our sales process to have standards embedded in it. And then you need some accountability, you know, your meeting rhythms and your ability to get together and talk, communicate, train, ride-alongs, and you want, you, know, you want to coach based on those. I things. want to follow up on that before we go to Drew. You said something very interesting that you thought the customer service index, the customer service yeah. measurement was maybe the most important measurement in terms of sales effectiveness. That's, yeah. that's really saying something, because I think most of us live in a world where it's about revenue per lead or close rates or marge, gross margin. Yep. I think that's really important. Could you talk about that just a second more, give us a little more insight? And specifically, do you guys use, like do you do your own measurement of that or do you use an outside company? How do you measure that customer satisfaction? Well, we do it inside, we do, we do it ourselves, um, but I, I think there's plenty of places that you can use measurements that are outside. Yeah. I'd probably trust the outside measurement more than I would trust the yeah. inside, to be honest with you. Uh, but you know, at some point, you just have to start. So you've got to create a process. You know, what are you going to do to talk to the customers after the sale to make sure that the deliverable is there? So I promised you a brand experience. I, I, I gave you a set of expectations. I gave you a layout of how we were going to do business. You know, did we meet those standards? Are you exceptionally satisfied? Are you just moderately satisfied? Are you not satisfied, you know, or are you right. just not very happy at all, right? Like we're not gonna ever recommend you. So yeah. um, I think what you want is, there's what we call a Likert scale, you know, uh, one through five is a Likert scale, three is the middle. 
that's a way you can do it. But um, we ask the question in terms of zero to 100. 100 is you know perfect, zero would be, you know we did a horrible job. Yeah, we talked about online. And we <laughs> like it to be a, a 95 or better. Mm. So that would be the standard that we've established internally. You know, if you got 90, you'd probably say that's an A, that's pretty good. But we always want to know how could we be better? How could, if, if we were a 90, how could, we, how could we have been a 100? What could we have done differently? So as a learning organization, I think your measurement is what can you learn about how you could have done better in the client experience? Client experience is where the game is played today with digital marketing, reviews, social media platforms, neighborhood next door, all of the places, and it's only going to accelerate. You have to be paying attention to those types of uh, numbers and those types of metrics. And I think that's really what's gonna define how many referrals you get. Very interesting. Drew, so you've been in the industry for 30 years. Yeah, you've well, been consulting for 20 years that I know of, uh, probably before that. How, 30 years of consulting. I've 30 years in, consulting. Yeah, 40, what, 44 years in Holy the, cow, you don't look old enough. 44 years in the industry. How'd you do all that? Dad, put you in diapers and put you in the sheet metal 12 shop? years old, man, <laughs> I, was, I was a gopher. Man. Swim That's team amazing. practice, jump on a truck. So 30 years of consulting. So you go into a company, you're looking at their sales performance. What's the first thing you're looking at to measure performance and you know, to start having that conversation about accountability with the owners of the company? Well, G-Man talked about it. I and mean, from an accountability standpoint, by the way, I think I actually have to hold you accountable to because when you lead us out on um, unfiltered, there's a conversation that we're supposed to have at the very beginning to kind of set up the, the whole event, right? I hadn't forgotten that as a okay. method of my madness, but well, if you want right. to take a little diversion right now. <laughs> I, I was, I was just, just, you know, just checking a box. No, I was gonna know. close with it this time. Okay, well, that's but, fine, we'll, we'll, clo we'll close with it, that close strong. So, um, you know, I think you have to look at like what G-Man said, it, it all depends on what is that, you, you know, that you're looking at and what is that the company, that, you know, what does the company measure and, and what's going on? What are, you know, what are the issues that you're experiencing? So it, it could be a lot of the metrics that, you know, that G-Man rattled out, but there's a few other ones that are kind of sometimes in the weeds that most people don't take a look at. You, you know, how often are you doing a, a one call close versus a, you know, two call close? Uh, what percentage of your business is financed? And financing includes credit cards. It's leasing, yep. credit cards, and, and regular financing. And then what percentage of the financing is 0% versus low monthly payments? I know if I see somebody that's heavily weighted on 0% interest for a period of time, they're missing the payment customer because a 0% customer technically is a cash customer. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I, I look at what is the sales cycle, right? So from the time they ran the first appointment until the time the customer either bought or told them no. Right? How long did that, that last? Most people who are going to do this are going to do this typically within the same day that they call you out to within probably no more than three weeks. This is not something that has a long buy cycle. Right? Right. So you start to look into some of those, you know, those things. The biggest thing I think you know, more than anything um, when we look at sales accountability is you know, what you really need to see is what they do in the home because the numbers only tell you a part, a part of the story. And anybody can tell you the mechanics of what they do. I, I went on the call, I went through the process, I did the load, okay, yeah. they can tell you the mechanics of it. What, when I hear that, I say, that person needs a ride along. Why? Because I'm not hearing the story of the customer. If, I, if they can't tell me the emotional impact and, and how this customer's showing up and what are their concerns and what's, what's been bothering them and they're just telling me the things that happened on the call and, the, and, the, and they're telling me about the, the components, right? They're telling me about, well, the customer had a 20-year-old 10-seer system and a you know, beat up old 
thing with a you know, uh, racked up humidifier and air cleaner. And, and they're telling me about the parts and pieces of the job. And again, I still don't hear the customer story. I know I've got you know, issues going on there. Yeah. So that's, that's what I look for. You know, it's funny. Uh, I can remember recently uh, out work with a client and the comfort advisor went through his process. We came out of the house. He finished. He didn't get the deal. And we walked out and I said, what was that guy's name? He didn't know his name. I said, what do you do for a living? I don't know. Has he got any kids? Oh, no. You know, and if you don't know those things, you have not taken the time to build that relationship and to get that customer story. You know, we think a lot about our story, you know, facts, tell, story, sell. So we're always telling our company story. But you make a very important point that the customer story is really what they care about. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always tell people is that people buy from people they like and trust, but people also buy from people who like them. Our customers want to know that we like them. Well, how are they going to know if we like them? Genuine interest, ask their opinion, ask questions. That shows that you like them. I think that's really important. Um, for my company and for my work that I do in speaking and training and consulting, there's kind of three things that, that I like to look at. One of them, a G-Man talked about, which is the customer service stuff. Now, we work with one of the big box stores. I know people hate that, but I'm telling you, it's just a lead generation source. And it's not a very cheap one at that, by the way. Right? We're paying a lot for those leads. And that's all it is to me. Just you interested in new furnace, interested in air conditioner. And we've got people that walk around the stores and do that. Uh, we're fortunate, though, because as a result of that, that particular big box store does a survey on everything that we sell. So it gives us a pretty good indication of the sales process and the installation process, the whole thing. So we watch that. The other thing is we often talk about the revenue per lead, right? Kind of a blend of close rate and average ticket revenue per lead is kind of a quick. We talked about this before. you got to go deeper than that, but it's a quick you know, thing you can look at to know if you're, you know, on the right track. And, and the other thing is, and Gary talked about this as well as gross margin, uh, you know, we pay commissions based on gross margin. So we job cost every job and we're going to look at the gross margin and pay them a percentage of that gross margin. I think that's really important because that's like instant accountability, instant accountability. Because if a guy's at the kitchen table and he's thinking about giving away the farm, right? He knows his check is going down with that and it will prevent him from do that, from doing that. We've all got to be, you know, have a vested interest in gross margins. And as owners, we always preach it because we all want gross margins. But I know companies are out there paying a flat 8 or 10% commission regardless. Well, that doesn't always work out so well. In fact, more often than not, I don't think it works out great. So I think measuring gross margin, paying on gross margin is instant uh, kind of accountability on that. So uh, finally, I'd like to kind of wrap up with a topic that Drew uh, brought up, and uh, that is... You know, here at Unfiltered, we like to have an occasional cigar, an occasional sip of whiskey. And uh, so I'm going to have G-Man comment a little bit, first of all, on what we're smoking here. And what exactly is this tasty treat that you have delighted me with tonight? Well, uh, that's a, a My Father uh, a Cigar of the Year. I, I, I thought it was a couple of years ago, but uh, we were, uh, of course, <laughs> corrected by the cigar store owner. It was actually six years ago, so kind of reminds us that we're aging a little faster than we probably mentally want to age. Uh, so you've got the My Father, and, uh, and I've got a Perdomo here, which is a 20th anniversary, so also a Cigar of the Year, 2012-ish. So we've got two stellar cigars that were winners, you know, back in the day, so yeah. uh, uh, it's pretty good. And the whiskey uh, that we're hanging out with today is, uh, is pretty tough to find. It's, uh, it's a bourbon, it's a Pappy Van Winkle 10, uh, so uh, thanks to Andy Mitchell, our video production kingpin, who Andy, found that for Andy us. Andy has uh, a went he went deep 
So far, it's free for me because I haven't paid you back for it yet. <laughs> <laughs> right now, it's free. Right now, it's like my cigars. Wally, and they're free. Wally did mention that he forgot his wallet when he came in. No, I got the wallet. I just want to let you know. I immediately said that. And there's no money in it. So I meant to bring you the 600 bones. Yeah, but. so we've got we've got the Pappy Van Winkle going right now. And uh, I think it matches up. It, it's such a strong, uh, powerful flavor. I mean, it's smooth. With that level of alcohol content, you don't typically get a whiskey that's that smooth, but it certainly is. It's uh, it's hard to come by, it's hard to find, but it's definitely worth it. So. And I want you to talk about this Willet because I didn't realize what a good find that was. I was in my local liquor store and my guy comes out and he always sees me in the camera and he comes running out with whatever he has in the back. He goes, you gotta have this. I'm like, what is it? I saw it was a Willet. He goes, you just gotta have it. So I'm thinking G-Man's coming to town this week. Dude says, I better get it, I better get it. And then Gary comes over to the house last night. You can see that bottle's already been cracked <laughs> and uh, says we got a nice little uh, we got a nice little bottle on our hands. Tell us about that. That was pregame yesterday. That was pregame. So, yeah, yeah uh, Will It Reserve, it's 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 a rye. Uh, so it's not it's not a bourbon. It's a little bit different. And uh, the, it's very, very, very hard to come by. It's probably as hard or not maybe even more difficult than the Pappy. Yeah, um, it's small batch. They don't produce very much. And it's such a popular whiskey that whatever they do produce, it just goes. It goes on allocation and just disappears. When I got that, Gary said, go back and tell him you'll take every bottle he has. I haven't go, done that yet. Go find out how many he has and buy them all. Yeah. yeah. Bring your money in the wallet. It's, it's awesome. tasty. Awesome. Well, uh, fine cigars, fine whiskey, fine gentlemen. Great advice on accountability. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you.